We've talked already this season about translation and, and cultures meeting and, and really like bringing this new, well, bringing this ancient tradition into this new culture. And I think part of the problem is that the language we've picked, as is often the case when something's new, the language is maybe not serving things as well as it should. So for instance, I recently decided, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect at it yet, but I'm really trying not to use the dyad of meditation and post-meditation mm. because I think that's just bad language for this. And I think it fundamentally puts some idea in our mind that they're separate. And right. so lately I've been trying to use um, formal practice and applied practice mm. because I think that's a better way to talk about it. They're both practice, you know, and there's a way to do it that's kind of formal and, and stilted. And right. that's what we do in our home on the cushion, in our little curated meditation atmosphere. Um, but it's the applied practice that really counts. And I think calling it applied practice really makes it sound like the ultimately more important piece, which mm -hmm. is, I think, the case. Because what are the odds? I mean, if we want to think about like karma, you know, like creating causes and conditions for happiness or suffering, um, I think what we do off the cushion is a whole lot more consequential mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. Mm -hmm. So like if we really want to create causes and conditions for happiness and less suffering for ourselves and others, uh, what we do in formal practice is super important, but our applied practice is really where the heavy lifting happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, just zooming out even more, like it's our basic state of being that has to be impacted and that we have to find some kind of continuity in uh, some sort of continuity of transformation. Like, and I'm, I'm thinking even of like the idea of impacting your stream of being across multiple lives or something. I mean, the idea, at least in my mind is that, you know, eventually the results of our practice kind of have this momentum that will show up in an ongoing way. Like we're not necessarily, if, if I woke, like if I woke up in the Bardo, like kind of came to after my life, right? Like after I died, chances are, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to like come to and wake up in my meditation room, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be like very bizarre circumstance potentially. So the point is, is that we find, our awareness in more and more circumstances that potentially overtly have nothing to do with a formal practice room. You know, I mean, it has to yeah. be, it has to be something that is so natural internally, like in terms of our own state that it is there no matter what's going on and that we don't see circumstance as separate from that, state you know that's i mean that really is to think about to think about it that way i think is it makes everything a little more alive because that's like everything really is the setting for practice you know yeah that's a great example and i'm glad you brought in the like transition between lives and i think 
most listeners probably know, but it's also worth pointing out that like that can also be transitions between part of your life, mm-hmm. you know, and finding yourself in some strange, unfamiliar situation where all of a sudden you can't be who you were before and it's time to be something else, you know, or, or change your mode of living, you know, dramatically. Like those are situations that people find themselves in um, all the time. Yeah. So I think both of those scopes are, are absolutely apt here. And, and um, funny, I just used the word app because <laughs> I'm about to talk about apps. And one thing that I was thinking about lately relating to this is like coming to greater uh, understanding of my feeling towards meditation apps hmm. and their use. And there's an app in particular that I've been loving called Healthy Minds that I rec- that I actually recommend, which is really a big leap for me to tell people, hey, I think you should use this app. Um, right. And I may have talked about this already this season, but, but yeah, so Healthy Minds, totally free. I definitely recommend it. Um, I like it because it's, it's, it's free. Um, I like it because it's based on science. I also like it because it's a, it's a course of study that you take and then you finish. And one of the reasons I think that's so important is because I know so many people who are using apps and finding benefit, you know, so I want to be clear, like I'm not saying there's no benefit in Headspace or Calm or Balance or whatever meditation app you're using. Um, I know that there are benefits there, but I think the problem that people need to be aware of, particularly when it's a subscription-based service, um, we know that they want you to keep paying the subscription. (laughs) And so I think there is a built-in reliance that's created upon having that app to be able to meditate. You know, like when you start to rely on like, oh, well, I really like Headspace for my meditation. I think that's actually really bad. I think that's really maybe pernicious is the right word or something. You know what I mean? Because it's Mm. like sneakily bad. I mean, it could really help you when you sit down to use it. But if it's not ultimately teaching you how to do it yourself in any situation, it's really like you're skipping kind of the biggest, most important point. Like you have to be taking away a thing that you know you can do on your own in any situation. Mm -hmm. And granted, that's like a high bar. And we are in a way talking about like the full fruition of the path, you know, being able to do this in any situation, but, but we got to work towards that, you know, Mm -hmm. to the point where we can more and more often find ourselves in that state of active, attentive rest, you know, anywhere. And that has to start with the line at the post office, you know, or traffic that has Mm -hmm. to start in very simple situations of, of um, discomfort when we might not be able to turn headspace on and do a guided meditation. So yeah, I think that's, I think that really applies to even like the between life situation or the Bardo situation, because, you know, we can't be just relying on a certain set of parameters in order to be aware. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm glad I kind of thought of this because I've always been anti-meditation app. And I think there's good reasons for that. There's, there's research that shows that people who start meditating with an app are more likely to have adverse effects. And um, I also know, as I'm sure uh, Mitchell would probably concur, that like having a teacher that you can talk to about what's going on in your practice is invaluable. Um, Mm -hmm. because everybody at different points of time needs different kinds of advice. And this is something we talked about 
recently too that like sometimes there's a piece of advice that's perfect for one person you know just keep pushing through you can do it that's absolutely wrong for another person that needs to be told like you're okay rest a little bit <laughs> you know so there's right, like right, right. there's really like instructions that you get from an app or a book or anything are always in the context of a broad presentation or being for one particular person who is not you at that point in time yeah. so having a guide who can really know where you're at and help you in the moment is so crucial. But that's like another piece where it's like balance, right? Like you can do this on your own for sure, but you also should be checking in with someone, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. that someone shouldn't be a recording. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. I like that. How like the balance thing is showing up in so many different ways. Cause, uh, I was just thinking a second ago when you were talking, like there's another kind of balance that we're constantly having to relate to, which is like the balance between like on one hand, recognizing that to be aware and engaged with the mind of practice in any situation, right, is like kind of a high bar. And it's worth on one hand recognizing that and, you know, having some, kind of compassion for ourselves and like a sense of humility like we're not quite at the point where we can throw off all of our methods or something you know but then on the other hand we actually need to start thinking a little bit like it is something that we're able to do and it's not necessarily that unapproachable um you know the balance between those two is crucial i think especially i mean we're not really necessarily overtly talking from the formal like Vajrayana Buddhist perspective in this conversation I feel like but I mean that is the perspective that's dear to my heart and makes the most sense to me still and uh, that's crucial there I mean that's really I think in terms of like the applied method of Vajra pride you know it has a lot to do with that confidence that allows us to claim what we really are capable of doing. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, like, I think it's a little bit of a cop out for us to so easily think we can't do it, you know, like that's something for high up other people kind of thing. I mean, we have to, we have to retain our humility and our reliance on the teachings and, kind of an honest appraisal of where we're at but also we need to like kind of lean into the confidence of of kind of claiming for ourselves what is really just what we are I mean that's all we're talking about you know so that's another way to kind of constantly be uh finding balance you know between like the high bar that these teachings present but then also so like being realistic, but also being a little bit, uh, honestly, like having a little bit of verve and being a little bit like bold, I guess, you know, thinking like this yeah. is, this is something I can do. Like that attitude's important because on another level too, I mean, we just need to be like, we need to have a sense of joy or inspiration, but like, I don't mean that in any, any kind of like shallow way like we need to be into what we're doing I guess is really what I mean you know we need to we need to kind of feel like yeah like this project that I'm working on of like becoming awake is is cool 
you know? I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is good. This is exactly where I wanted to, to kind of go with this is because I think there's all these dualities that there's a tendency to, to want to pick one as the right one when I think it's always a process of, of balancing. And mm. um, like another one that comes to mind for me too is when I look back on things, if it's something where I feel like I fell short or, or wasn't my best self in the moment, I definitely think I don't want to do that in the future. And I definitely think about the ways that I might have done things more skillfully. But I never think that like I could change that instance. Like I always think what right. I did in that moment was the only thing I could have done in that moment. Mm. You know, it may not have been the right thing or what I wanted, but at the end of the day, causes and conditions as they were and all my habit energy from countless lifetimes being what it is, um, mm -hmm. that's what I did in that moment, you know, mm -hmm. and I can look back and say, you know what, shouldn't have done that. This would have been a better thing, or I don't know what would have been a better thing, but I shouldn't have done that. You know, in any case, I, I look back and I have to be able to recognize that there might have been a better way to do it, but I also have to. I also hold that like I had no, you know, in the moment that I had no other option. That's just what it was going to be. Yeah. Um, when causes and conditions came together, that's what it was, and and I feel like that's a healthy. It feels to me a healthy way to look back on the past because I can be honest about what was beneficial or what was not beneficial and make a better plan going forward where I really do have control of what's going to happen, but I don't have control of what happened in the past. And that, and yeah, so there's like, again, like another kind of balance of this idea of like, um, we can always make changes, but at the same time we have to accept the things that happened, happened, mm -hmm. you know, and we can't go in reverse and think, you know, like, oh, I, you know, like I think a lot of people do get hung up on things that happened in the past and like th that maybe alternate reality that could have happened that, that yeah. never did. Yeah, I'm really glad. I mean, it's kind of funny, actually, that you just brought that kind of point back up because it connects. There was one little thing hanging on in my mind that I wanted to talk about that we mentioned just a minute ago, and this brings it right back to that. Because um, I feel like what you're saying, it kind of really, uh, what that attitude allows us to like pretty quickly just like move on with a kind of lightness, you know? Uh, yeah, which is really what we need if we're going to do exactly what you're saying. If we're going to move on and kind of like do things differently or do things more in line with how we would really want to, we actually need that kind of fluid, lighthearted momentum, you know, like, and, and the thing that I was thinking about was like in the context of music, like playing, right? Like, let's say any number of things happen, like you're you play a, you take a solo, right? And like, you know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's just a little clunky. Like it's not your best playing or whatever. Uh, these are, these are just moments I'm thinking of. So like time comes for you to take a solo. It's a little clunky, you know, it's not quite as smooth and fluid as like in the practice room or something. Uh, but you know, to everybody out there, um, it's fine. You know, no one's being quite that critical as you are of yourself. Or like, for example, uh, something I think about is like, let's say you're trying to end a song or something and not everybody catches 
the signal and it's the ending's a little clunky, like these kind of little details, right? And then you get kind of like bummed out about it, right? And mm-hmm. you're like attached to this thing that's happened that's over. And that attitude now is impacting your ongoing opportunity to be playing. Like, the quicker you can let go of that and just do the thing you want to do in the next moment, the better, right? Like, yeah. it's it's almost like playing-wise, I think of it as like, the more quickly you can just like let go of the need to like prove your skill or something, you know, the, the, mm-hmm, be- mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. bet the better you are because it's like, okay, like, yeah, we're, we can play, like we're just having fun. And that lightness of spirit, like allows you to do the thing that you want to do in every moment. But the more you're hung up on like, ah, oh, shit, like I missed that change or like, there's a kind of like uptight stuckness that impedes the flow, you know? I feel like that's the same thing that you're saying. Like the more that you, in a very weighty way, get hung up on what already happened, the more you're robbing further chances, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like another way I think to say it is like the past is not alive and the future is not alive Mm. at all. And but if we kind of treating them as they are, like living situations, then inevitably we're freezing the present moment. Right, right. We're right, killing right. the present moment. Exactly. Um, so it's just it's just ignorant, really. I mean, it's just it's just wrong. It's not it's not true. You know, mm-hmm, they're not mm-hmm. situations that can happen. <laughs> you know that we can. Imp- I mean, the future we can impact, but even that, like, it's best managed through agile responsiveness. Right, mm-hmm. like we can do mm-hmm. some planning. There's nothing wrong with doing some planning. Uh, well, I mean, depends on what teachings you're reading. There, there are plenty of teachings too that say don't plan anything. But um, and I think to to apply this to our our modern culture and stuff, we have to do some planning. But we also have to be ready for something to happen that completely throws our plans off, right. and be ready to handle that in the moment. Um, and to, to jump back to, to our beloved music metaphors, you know, you never know what someone else is going to do, you know, right. and you may need to do something. I mean, having done like uh, improv comedy and stuff, you know, it's like that, that kind of a situation, like you can walk out pantomiming, vacuuming, and someone says, how old is your dog? You know, and you go, oh, well, I guess I have a dog now. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right, so, right, right. So you got to go like that, you know, and. Um, or you could get hung up and, and try to say like, why would you think my vacuum cleaner is a dog? You know, so there's like, right, right. You know, you, you, really, if you're, if you're trying to mold, you know, the situation to your reality that you had previously planned, like it's never going to work. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, and this is a really important point. For sure. I feel like when I'm in the right place with this kind of thing, there's always a kind of sense of lightness and humor about it you know like that's just yeah that's sort of in accord that kind of emotional atmosphere is in accord with the kind of thing that we're talking about like it's it's the sort of attitude that's like oh well like we missed that part but like here we are right now you know like who cares and then as soon as you like take that attitude it's like you sort of realize that no one does care and people just are, are having fun anyway. And like, you know, just to take it to the 
music thing. Um, but it's yeah. it's it's kind of like the more lightly we hold everything, the easier this kind of fluidity becomes. And I I think that like humor is like a big part of that. Like not a laugh out loud, funny sense of humor necessarily, but just like, you know, you can like see the funny side of it. And like, I think that helps to kind of like let things go and to like let mistakes go more quickly. Yeah, this is good. I mean, I I actually feel like we're, uh, I mean, we've got a long way to go in this season. I, um, I, I, I think we'll keep this like a consistent season for, another you know number of months but and i think we're going to hit the stuff that we talked about hitting vajriana wise but i actually like that we're kicking it off this way because i feel like this is the the applied practice path really and so Mm -hmm. we can get into all the stuff that we love about our our practices our vajriana practices and stuff um but i like coming at it from this this direction mm-hmm. because I think this is, this is really it, you know, like is this, this practice of balance and, and really like, this is a theme I think for the whole Vajrayana. I mean, we, we talked when we were brainstorming this season, I was looking at a note earlier and we talked about how Hini, we said like Hinayana one, Mahayana two, Vajrayana, like Hinayana plus Mahayana. <laughs> right. And, and it is kind of true. Cause it's like, it, it, there's this approach of like, discipline and then there's this approach of emptiness and then there's the vajrayana which is like a little bit of both so there's like all these situations where we're really stepping into living paradox you know we're really stepping Mm -hmm. into actively embracing things that seem to contradict each other and recognizing that they don't contradict each other because they're they're what we balance on Mm-hmm. You know, like we're balancing between them all the time. And that is a, a, a healthy, happy life is being able to stand on tightness and looseness and balance, you mm-hmm. know, or be able to stand on exteroception and interoception and balance or stand on regret and hope, you know, and, and balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really is like so much about holding opposites, really in communal space, you know? Yeah. I'm sure we'll ease our way into all kinds of stuff, but you know, the big one for me that I always try to come back to is, is the vivid and insubstantial, Mm. uh, seeming Mm -hmm. duality, you know, that things, things that appear so vivid and lucid and clear and, and we can't just dismiss that. But at the same time in their nature, they're completely insubstantial. Mm. You know, and that's quantum physics, I think, agrees on that regard. You know, mm-hmm. like there's really, mm-hmm. it, you can't find the, the partless particle. You're always going to, you know, get down to where there's there's really nothing to, to, to hang your hat on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's not a downer. It doesn't have to be a downer. It doesn't have to be a, a challenge. It just becomes a, an active process and even like a, a game. You know, balance and improvisation are, are kind of two of my leading things right now. And, and improv is like one of the things I'm really feeling like I've had a lifetime of doing all these different kinds of improvisation. And uh, now it's time to really look at my practice that way. And and the reason I, I say that is because it's, it's, it's fun. It's like mm-hmm. a game, mm-hmm. you know? And so like to get at what you were saying about humor, you know, and enjoyment, 
You know, like I think if we can look at this stuff as like fun, you know, and play, mm-hmm. um, that's really where I'm trying to take it. Yeah, for sure. Another, I feel like another way to kind of restate like the Hinayana could be kind of like just generally f- form. It's like the whole thing, you know, the the issue of practice and spiritual life from the perspective of really considering form. And then Mahayana is kind of like all of that from the perspective of, okay, now like emptiness, right? And then mm-hmm. Vajrayana really is like form and emptiness coming together or not really even coming together, but okay, actually those two things are not separate realities, you know, form and emptiness are a kind of, uh, inseparability. And I think that gets into, I mean, that's the territory that this discussion is kind of based on. And like what you're saying, like within that, there's this, there's really tremendous potential for like that lighthearted spirit of play and improvisation. I feel like there's an element of real meaningful fun there, you know? Yeah. And excitement, I think. Definitely. Yeah, I think that Vajrayana brings form and emptiness to life. Mm Mm-hmm. 